Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Thunderous Applause, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, Spanning the Spurs, and the LA Hoops Pod. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Coach Eric Klump, Beyond the Ball podcast. I'm Coach Justin Gerson. Welcome back for another episode. I'm super pumped about this one, Coach. Yeah, a guy since, you know, when we set out to, to run this pod, to get this pod going, we knew someday we would want to get Coach Anastasia from Olean on, one of the Western New York legends in the basketball realm here. And uh, tonight we'll be joined by Coach Anastasia. It's really exciting for us. Yeah, from the beginning of my career coaching 15 years ago, he was more maybe in the twilight of his, but... Um, I took a, I took a couple L's from him for sure. And, uh, it'll be nice to get the other side of the other side of the bench here, uh, from coaches we get going. Um, how's your week been now that we're back in the swing of things? Yeah, it's just been, it's been a pleasure and a blessing to be back with the guys and you see them come in and throw their book bags. It reminds me of coaching on the JV level. You know, you get the kids and they're so hungry to be there and they always got a smile on their face and they're just messing around with each other. Um, more so than any other year, you can see that out of the guys just, um, being so happy to have the opportunity, um, to be, to be playing, you know, very simply. And, and it's, it's great. What about you? How was your week? Uh, it was a good week. You know, it won some, lost some, but I would agree with you. Like just getting in the gym is good. Some of the coaches, you know, uh, trying to keep it as normal as possible. So some of my coaching staff a couple of times was like, you know, what are we wearing tonight? Like, what's the staff, you know, dress code, dress code. And I'm, I'm just like super comfortable fellas. We're going full AAU style. We're going to hmm. roll up yeah. and rip the, rip the sweats off, you know, kick your slides into the corner and throw your shoes on and we're going to go. So the coaching staff had the same permission to do kind of the same thing. So really proud of our, um, our league, I think for the most part, uh, all of our our schools and our league are doing a really good job of keeping our athletes safe and healthy and some good protocols in place. Um, so I'm hoping that we don't have too much of a serious pause going on. And by mm-hmm. the time this thing airs, we're actually going to be about halfway done with our season. So right. super excited about it. They but have yeah, to just, love it. I mean, they have they practice one day game, practice one day game. Oh, practice one, for yeah. them, it's the best thing they could ever ask for. We're living the NBA dream right yeah. now, for sure. We're on an NBA, NBA schedule. But yeah, um, so we're good. Trying to share a lot of knowledge with our athletes, you know, in a short amount of time, which is really testing, you know, the teaching prowess of some coaches and you know whether or not you have a veteran team or how well you can really communicate um your information um is is very crucial i think i that might be our transition right into our coaching nuggets i'll go ahead and start i think my takeaway from this experience over the last three weeks 
that I would share with coaches is just um, even if you're not in a pandemic situation, how quickly and easily can you transfer your information to your squad, like getting them the right language, you know, some coaches coaches have called it sticky language or, mm-hmm. you know, your philosophy or objectives, how you want to play, you know, the, those that can communicate that the best um, and the most productive shortest amount of time so that all of your players can get on the same page, uh, I think is super crucial. Um, and it's really tested me during this pandemic to make sure that I was only giving them exactly what they needed. Yeah. Um, and then we're kind of figuring out as we go. So that's kind of my coaching nugget if we're looking to transition. You got right. anything so for So it's us? kind of like uh, the combination of your non-negotiables combined with your fastball and just, hey, this is who we are and let's go and get after it, right? Yeah, yeah. keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, and just we said keep, that a lot here. Yeah, just refresh back to like, what, so what's the objective? Like offensively, what's our philosophy? So when this happens, just go back and say, mm-hmm. did you do this? And go right. down your like three, three key principles. And if any of those are off, you know, then you address it. If you're in line with what you're doing, then you kind of live with it and you figure it out. So... Yeah, that's that would be my nugget to start. You got anything for yeah, us? Yeah, I, th- I think it's when it all comes down to it, we need to remember as coaches that it's our responsibility to confront anything within your team that does not prioritize winning over everything. And and that just doesn't mean the court. You know, it means in life, you know, with their teammates, in the weight room, in the classroom building the identity, you know, um, like our last guest on the pod, they're, they're, they're going to be a citizen throughout their life, a top-notch citizen more so than they are going to be a top-notch basketball player. And really that's what we're, you know, we're striving for. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point to take away as well. It, it's very difficult sometimes to not bring in some of that outside baggage, especially during a time of like the pandemic. But, you know, if you're trying to build a team, trying to build a culture, uh, I think kids are looking for that level of discipline for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Um, what about a verse? Hey, I got what you. About a verse? I got, yeah. always got you. So um, we went to Matthew 5, 6 today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, it, it makes my mind and my heart go to that. Uh, he's never going to let you down. And it's just truly amazing how your conviction grows as your hunger and thirst to be closer to the word that he has. And, you know, I always find comfort in knowing that he is exactly who he says he is. Yeah. Who he says he is. And what I've found too, is such a great verse. I appreciate you sharing that. What I found too, is he is exactly what you need him to be in that moment too. Like if you're looking like seriously looking for some guidance, um, everything when you get closer to yeah. God, when you when you get in, when you're like, seeking Him, yeah, you, it just seems to all fall into place, and uh, it really makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I couldn't I couldn't follow up on what you said any better. I think that's that's the biggest piece for me lately in this journey, um, and talking with you and with with the family and other people about my faith. And hopefully we get into that with coach tonight. I know he's, mm-hmm. you know, a very faithful person as well. It's just, he, God is always there uh, for what you need on his timeline. Um, but if you're actively seeking it out, um, you're going to find exactly what you need at the right time. So, so, so powerful and uh, so good. I appreciate that. Anytime. 
So what do you think? You think we jump into this interview? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's we It's got to be like do. a fanboy, you know? Yeah, I know. We're We've had a couple of those where you're just kind of like a little nervous. But coach, I mean, I'll tell you, when I first started, and you're probably the same way, I would go up to Buff State and I would write the names down of every single coach, right? And year after year, it was just like, Oli in 18 and 2, Oli in 19 and 1, Oli in 20 and 0, Oli in 16 and 4. And so I just started following him more and more to the point where in the last couple of years, you know, we've met them in the sectional finals and it was almost, you know, surreal to sit back and like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Coach Anastasia right here before the game, somebody that I sat up in the bleachers and just really emulated of what I would like our program to be. And I'm sure you did too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, so I, hopefully we can get into maybe some of those old stories uh, and just hear some of his non-negotiables and his truths of what made him so successful over the years. Um, this should be a very good conversation. So we're going to break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll have Coach Anastasia. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E and use the code hoopheads to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A R Y S E dot com with promo code hoopheads to get 20% off. All right, guys, we're back with Beyond the Ball podcast with Vanessa Gerstein. We're joined tonight by uh, a Western New York coaching icon, one of Eric and I. Um, mentors will call you coach from afar. Don't necessarily have that personal connection, but we've followed your career and competed against you. Uh, coach Anastasia is with us tonight. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It, that is great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're very welcome. It's an honor to be on with uh, both of you. It's uh, great. I have so much respect for uh, you know you guys. You do a great job at your prospective schools, and it's just an honor to be with you tonight. Now, Coach, again, thanks for coming on Beyond the Ball. And for many of us growing up and starting our coaching careers, we were sitting at Buff State, and we would see you with the red sweater on and the cross necklace hanging down and the clipboard across your chest. And year after year after year, you were there. Um, but tell us a little bit, take us back, like, where did it all start? Believe it or not, I, uh, I started uh... – Right when I was a junior in high school, my my dream was to come back to Olean. I wanted to teach physical education, and I wanted to coach at my alma mater, which was Olean High. Um, I developed a love for basketball very early. When I was six years old, uh, my dad had put up a basket. We had a cinder driveway, and, uh, you know, we, we'd come in at night with uh, torn up uh, – knees and and uh our ankles would be black from the you know from the cinders but i developed a love for the game back then and as i as i grew uh, the elementary school that i went to was just a couple blocks away from my house 
Um, and I remember I was a fourth grader and we, we wanted to go out, my friend and I, we wanted to go out and play on the basketball court outside the school and, and the sixth graders wouldn't let us play. And my high school coach was actually a teacher at the school. And I said, Mr. Baker, you know, like the sixth graders won't let us play. And he goes, well, in a couple of years, you'll be a sixth grader, you know? And I said, well, that, that's not good enough. You know, I want to play now. So we would actually go. We would leave the school for lunch. We would eat our lunch at my house like really fast. We'd go out in the driveway and we'd hear the bell ring and we'd run back to school. Our hands would be black, you know, from, from playing out in the, in the cinder driveway. But we ended up doing that like every day. Um, eventually, you know, I ended up uh, uh, playing for Olean. And, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a really good career at, at Olean. And then the funny thing, you guys are going to laugh about this, but I had uh, Dean Edwards that played for me, and uh, um, he ended up, uh, if you go into the record book, I have the all-time, I'm the all-time leading average per game player in OEN history. So, you know, I coached the varsity for 32 years, and uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, one of my friends goes, uh, you know, coach, he says, that, that record's never going to be broken. And I go, like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, you're the coach. He goes, you're going to pull guys out before they break your record, you know. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, you know. But we, we laughed about it. But Dean was right right below me, you know, with that average. And we laughed about it. You know, he still stays in touch with me regularly. But, uh, you know, I, I developed a love for the game and uh, – you know, I went on and played at Lock Haven, um, and I, I didn't play all four years. Uh, the coach that I was recruited by, I loved him. I mean, absolutely, really hard-nosed coach. Uh, he coached under Bobby Knight at Army. Uh, Bobby Knight, you know, remember when he threw the chair on the court? Well, my coach, one game, he coached. He ended up kicking six chairs against the wall. And, uh, you know, he ended up yelling across at the AD, you know, you better get some good officials here at these games. But he was a fiery coach, you know, reminded me kind of Bobby Knight, you know, just with his fire. But he was a big defensive coach. And uh, uh, we were second in the nation in defense and uh, about 380th in offense, you know. So I used to kid him about that. I go, Coach, you know, like, our defense is great. Maybe we should spend a little more time on offense. And uh, uh, the first week of the season, we didn't even touch a basketball. I mean, we did so many drills and stuff. And I'll never forget this. I'm a freshman, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays in between classes, he would actually have us in the gym for like an hour, you know. And uh, we'd be doing all this drill work, you know, and stuff. And uh, I remember the one day one of the players said, hey, coach, isn't this illegal? And he says, Boblowski, he says, if you don't like it, get your effing stuff and get the heck out of here. He goes, every school is doing it. And uh, he says at Clarion, he said they're painting the, the bricks the school colors and they're doing defensive slides. So to make a longer story short, I, I kind of laughed about this. My one good friend, uh, he was a star player at Sile, and he went on to play at Clarion. And I said, Kenny, because I was a year ahead of him, I said, Kenny, you know, you're going to have to, when you get to Clarion, you're going to get bricks, and you're going to have to paint them the school colors and do defensive slides. He goes, 
Jeff, there's no way. That's not going to happen. So he goes the second day, he calls me up. You were right. He goes, he goes, you were right. He goes, we're, we painted those bricks and we're doing defense. We did defense with defensive slides today. So I got to laughing about that, but you know, it goes way back to, you know, when I was six and going up through school and, and like I said, later on going to Lock Haven and I still developed, a, you know, I had a huge love for the game. And uh, when I got back to, you know, only in, uh, I got hired in 1983. At that time, I was coaching the freshmen. I coached the freshman basketball team. And then uh, for, gosh, how many, I'm trying to think how many years, like four years. And then I, I coached the JV team for a year. And then I ended up taking over the varsity for 32 years. But, um, you know, that was my dream. You know, I, I wanted to do that. I had a couple friends over the years that wanted me to, you know, move on with them if they went to college and, and coach in college. And, you know, I, I just uh, I just love the high school, uh, that age group. And I, I love working with the kids. And, you know, my family was here and everything. And, and they were such a support for me uh, that, you know, I just couldn't see myself leaving at the time. But um, I have absolutely no regrets. I absolutely loved, you know, uh, my 32 years of coaching at varsity at Olean. Yeah, coach, we, um, Eric and I have both had, you know, our couple battles with you on the court and we just, um, share that commonality. Eric actually coaches at his alma mater as well. Um, and I do as well. I, I went to high school at Akron and now coach there. So when you say that it was your goal, like, did you kind of just always have the feeling? What went into that? You know, is it just kind of luck that you fell into it? Or did you intentionally set yourself up like student teaching or a long-term position? How did that work out for you? Well, you know. That you were able to get back to Olean. Well, I, I think, you know, because I grew up in Olean and I played at Olean. And, you know, when I came back and I got hired, I was teaching at a school. I had, like, all the teachers you know, at the school, you know, and now I'm, I'm a peer, you know, right. I, instead of being a student, Absolutely. I'm a peer. And, you know, I, I obviously, I, I think, you know, I, I had a pretty good reputation, I think, as a student and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, the people that were in the administration at the time, you know, they looked at it like, uh, you know, here's a hometown boy that wants to teach here in Olean, you know, where a lot of a lot of I had a lot of friends that left Olean. You know, there wasn't any, there really weren't any jobs for them, so they ended up leaving Olean. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, uh, to get hired uh, two years after I graduated from college. I ended up getting hired uh, as a physical education teacher, and like I said, I coached freshmen right out of the gate, and and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to coach of varsity and, and the first time uh the varsity job became open you know i applied for it and uh the uh the athletic director at the time uh ended up giving the job to coach sasson who was he, he was a former player at saint bonaventure former coach at saint bonaventure you know so that was a good choice um by by hiring him but you know uh he said you know you're young you know, you'll get another, you, you, you'll get, you have another opportunity. And, and I, I really didn't like his answer, you know, like, 
it doesn't matter how young you are. You know, it really doesn't. It's it's how much of a passion and love you have for the game. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of was like, you know, I, I just didn't like that answer. But uh, my time came shortly thereafter. Um, Coach Sasson, I had a really good rapport with him. And uh, after he ended up getting sick, and he, he he recommended me for the job, even though I was only the freshman coach. So, but I'd worked with him, you know, I'd gone to practices and, and worked with him and I learned a lot from him. You know, he just, uh, you talk about someone that knows the game. I mean, he's just phenomenal with the game. And uh, so I was, I was really fortunate. I got hired and, uh, you know, it was it was like every year, you know, Olean would lose in the first round of playoffs, like every year, you know, and it was just like, I, I just, I felt like the mentality was just like, you know, we're going to lose, you know. Um, and, and I told you, Dean Edwards had played for me, uh, just a phenomenal player. He ended up getting a full ride to Butler uh, University, and he ended up uh, leaving Butler after a year and, and had a really good career, excellent career writer. But his dad was a superintendent of schools. And um, at the time, you know, his dad really knew basketball. But he had told me, he said, you will never win a sectional championship at Olean. He said, you, you won't do it. And he said, you can't come. He said, you cannot compete with the Buffalo schools. They're too athletic. And when somebody tells you, you know, you can't do something, either you don't try to do something or it gives you that extra incentive to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to prove him wrong. So, Amen. you know, 14 sectional titles later, whatever, uh, you know, you know, I think I, I worked a lot harder and I, I just got to the point. I just wasn't satisfied. And I was thinking about this earlier, you know, um, but like, I, I almost like, the, the February break that we had, you know, when the playoffs w- would be starting at the end of that break, I almost got, I, I got anal. I mean, I was like terrible. I would come in and I would put a game in. I would put, I'd watch five, six games and I'd, I'd have notes like everywhere. And like, I might watch six games of six different teams that we could play and we might not play any of them, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, but I, I wanted to be prepared and I, I wanted to make, you know, I always wanted to make sure that it wasn't, I wanted to put my players in the best opportunity to be successful. I didn't want to, you know, not do that and then not be pre- as prepared as I could. And I, I have to say, I was always really prepared. Um, I always, I really was thorough with the scouting reports and uh, I think my players, you know, respected me for that. They knew that I was really working hard, you know, and um, I'm one of these coaches that some coaches will say, you know what, I'm just going to worry about what our team does. And I was the type of coach that I, I said, you know what, I'm going to go over that other team with a fine tooth comb and I'm going to know they're out of bounds plays. I'm going to know their offenses and we're going to talk about how we're going to defend them. And um, I, I remember the girls coach, Randy Samuelson at the time, he came into the gym the one day. This was before playoffs. We were playing uh, our rival Allegheny Limestone. 
and he's up in the balcony and he's watching the end of our practice and I'm going over their out of bounds plays and I'm going uh, like they run this one this is a big play they're going to probably run this you know at the end of the game and sure enough they ran the play we jumped the pass we win the game you know at the end of the game and and Randy said he said it's amazing like everything that you went over at practice he goes is, yeah. is exactly what they did you know and he said, you end up winning the game because you guys end up taking that out of bounds play away from them, you know. And uh, But I, I was always like, I, no, I, Jeff. yeah. No, keep going. I apologize. No, 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 no. Go in. Uh, come in. Oh, okay. I, I, I apologize. I thought you were done there. I have two questions for you because we talk about, we, we have a lot of um, experienced coaches on here. And, you know, Justin and I, came to see you at the end of your career, your established career, where you were a mainstay at Buff State. Um, how long into your career did, did it take you to establish that elite? Um, I would say it would, it would have been back in, now I started, uh, what year was it, 87, I believe, 87, 88. And it was when the Turners played for me at Olean. Uh, when they when they came up to the varsity, uh, Dennis and Jesse Turner, um, that was in the 90s, like 95, 96. And uh, that's when we really, we won that, our first sectional title after 27 years. So you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're looking at, at 27 years, and you guys will laugh about this, but um, we win the sectional title. We end up, uh, the Booster Club buys us dinner. They buy us T-shirts. The Times-Herald has, like, individual player write-ups. We get a police escort into town. I get probably 60, 70 congratulatory emails. I probably get 30, 40 cards in the mail. We, we go out. We win the sectional title the next year. We had to buy our own T-shirts. We, you know, we... <laughs> We, we end up, uh, you know, but the, the, I, I probably get maybe 30, you know, congratulatory emails, maybe 10 cards. We win, we win the next sectional title. You know, we don't even, you know, it's not even a, like a big deal. Really, it wasn't. It was like, you know, hey, you know, you know, they, they won it. it. It goes on. We win another sectional title. You know, we won. Another section, and I, I, Tim and I talk about, we laugh about this. And he goes, Coach, it's because, it's because you were so successful, people just took it for granted. But it, yeah. it didn't pick up again until we went to our first Final Four in 2003. But, you know, guys, you know, like Rome wasn't built a day. You know, and it, it took a long time to really, uh, you know, get to that. You figure 27 years, it took a long time to get to that point. And, you know, uh, you're, you're never done, let's face it, you're never done learning as a coach. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still learning things. You know, I'm retired, but there's still things that, you know, I, I'm still learning different things. And, and I, I look back when I first started coaching, you know, my, my philosophy, you know, I, I mean, I always had pretty much the same uh, philosophy, you know, my, my philosophy is really huge on the kids. I mean, my players, my managers, my assistants, you know, but my, my, my kids, I, I, I always felt like I really cared about the kids, you know, and, and I, I wanted them to, 
really be successful in life. Uh, you know, basketball's a part of it, but it's just a game, you know. And I, I said, you know, I want to be proud of you, you know, not only on the court, but off the court. And I want you to be respected by your teachers in school. You know, I want school comes first. And I was always, a, uh, you know, when I talked to kids that got into trouble and, you know, or if they didn't do something that I expected from them, because I always had very high expectations of what they could accomplish, you know, off the court as well as on the court. But um, I told them, you know, I said, listen, you know, I, I want to be proud of you. I'd rather lose a game, you know, than to have you act like a jerk or, you know, be disrespectful to a teacher. I said, honestly, I would really rather lose a game. And um, um, they could call me anytime, you know. I, I, I always wanted to be there for them. And, um, you know, I had a couple kids come back and tell me, you know, thank you. You know, you, you, you saved my life. You know, you, my, my, I was going in the wrong direction. And, you know, what really bothers me, guys, is, is the kids that I didn't save along the way. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not about the wins. It's, it's, it really isn't for me. Um, I just really care for the kids and, and really want them to, make something of themselves. And uh, that was my big thing going into the coaching part of it. Just amazing stuff here, Coach. Um, just let's, I wanted to backtrack to you when you're talking about the scouting report. So you have an experienced, very successful coach. Um, you know, there's two thoughts on this. I don't want to overload my players, but I do want to introduce them to the things that the other team does well. Um, what are some things that you always covered um on the opposing team no matter what i i would always go over there you know they might have an offensive set that they run it might be a continuity offense and you know you might have some uh you might have some ball screens and how you want to defend the ball screens you know maybe the point guard's a good shooter so you you, you really want to jump that ball screen hard force him out a little bit higher if the point guard's not a good shooter, you know, we go underneath the, you know, the screen and, and work it like that. But, you know, I was always, you know, just uh, switching, you know, I would switch and then you'd have to watch, you know, if, if the big man would run a little cross screen underneath, you know, you, you don't get a guard stuck on the big man. So we, we talk about how we're going to defend that um, and different things. But um, I always, you know, with, with the defensive thing, and I, I think I said this a little bit to Eric, um, you know, I, I, I've been watching so many games and I just feel like I just want to go to that program and say, listen, let me, let me just work with you a little bit here. You know, like, like first of all, if you can't keep your man in front of you as a player, the, your whole defense breaks down. I mean, then you're helping out, and then now you're allowing the dish, you're allowing the kick. You know, I, I, so the, the first thing, if you're continually getting beat off the dribble, you, you're causing a problem. You either better change somebody, you know, put somebody else on that guy. Uh, you better do something different, you know. And uh, uh, when, when we first, when I first started coaching, we would deny the wings. Uh, and we, we were really aggressive at denying the wings, but you know what the problem was? We'd run up against a good point guard and he'd blow by my, you know, the guy I had defending him. Now he's in the middle of the paint. 
you know, every time just breaking us down. And I said, I can't do that. We, we, we've got to change. So, you know, as a coach, you got to recognize that. I watched a game the other, the other day. The guy goes right every single time. And you let him get to the basket going right every single time. And he's dribbling to the basket from past the top of the key and nobody's stepping in. How can that happen? You know, like I, I would tell my guys, like, there is absolutely no way that should ever happen, ever, ever. First of all, if the guy's going right every time, you know, you need to force him left, force him to his, force him to his weak hand. Secondly, why isn't anyone stepping in taking a charge? Why are you letting him get all the way to the basket like every single time? So, you know, I'm watching this game and I'm like, I'm like shaking my head, you know. So then you have no help or you have late help and then you have a poor rotation or no rotation, you know, and then you have a guy trying to, a guy 5'8", trying to block a guy 6'4", shot. You know, why why not just step in and take the charge? So I'm I'm just like, you know, like shaking my head, like what in the heck, but that's my defensive, you know, part of me coming out, you know, and, uh, and, and on top of that, you're probably giving up rebounding position if you're in rotation anyway, right? Because now you got bad matchups. Oh, you're, you're right. You know, and, um, but I, I watched a, a couple major games last year, you know, um, and I just watched guys penetrating and nobody stepping in, or if the guy did step in, Nobody rotated back, so the, the guy penetrating just dish it to the weak side block, and it's a layup. So, so like, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask. I, I want you to keep going, but I just wanted to maybe dive into philosophy then. It sounds like you're a man-to-man team. I, I live and die basically with the man-to-man defense. Coach Klump will tell you that. We face each other twice a year. But um, did you find yourself throughout your years changing – based on personnel, or did you kind of have a philosophy and you just really taught it well? Well, it's really strange. I, I thought I was a decent man-to-man coach. Um, you know, coming out of college, like I said, with Coach Taylor being, you know, such a defensive-minded college coach, you know, I thought I had a pretty good concept, uh, you know, on how to play defense. I, I, I have to be honest with you, when I first started coaching, you know, uh, I found that when we got into the playoffs, I would play more zone because we had trouble keeping uh, players in front of us. And then um, Coach Kalazinski, who is now the coach at Olean, a very good friend of mine, just uh, does a phenomenal job. But when he came to Olean, you know, we sat down and we said, listen, what do we want to do here? And we said, Let's let's go with this defense. It's more like a pack line, but what we do is we said we're not going to allow middle penetration. And, and think about think about when, when I say that. Think about the advantages of not allowing middle penetration. So if if a guy catches the ball on the right wing and he drives middle. Look at the options he has for himself now. All right, he can he can kick it. Uh, he can kick it to the as he, as he's driving to the middle. He can kick it to that same side. He can dish it underneath. He can throw it back. I mean, there's so many more options. So we said, let's try to keep players on one side of the court. Let's take away middle. 
we're not going to automatically give up baseline. You know, we're going to angle ourselves to try to cut that baseline off. But if, if that player wants to go middle, we're going to keep forcing them out to half court. That was our philosophy. And I, I went to one of Adam's practices last year. And uh, one, of, one of the things that, that we like to do at only and too, is if you have the ball, coach, I want to be, I want to be up on you. I want to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. All right. Because if, if I don't, if I'm back off you, you know, then you can, you can do anything you want. You can shoot, you can pass, you can dribble. I get up on you. And I, I said, guys, I want you to think about it like this. Am I making you feel uncomfortable right now? And, and I, when I was at Adam's practice, his, his best player said, no. And I, I took a step forward. I said, now am I making you uncomfortable? He said, yes. And, and what that does, it, it takes away that easy pass. It takes away, you know, that uh, shot. You know, if the guy's a good shooter, you know, so it, it, it makes it a lot more difficult. So what we're trying to do, if that guy tries to go middle, we're, we're you know, my nose is just about on his outside shoulder at that or is is it'd be his inside shoulder at that point if he's right. you know and we're trying to just if he starts to go we're 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 uh, forcing him out to half court you know we're we're forcing him out that way we're not letting him get to that elbow you know because now if he gets to that elbow there's a lot of things he can do with a basketball mm-hmm. you know yeah coach so have you in that time playing man to man I know. We've, we've had both had an opportunity to play you at Buff State, and there were times where we saw a little zone in there, too. Did you use that as, like, a change of pace, or were there years where that became, like, your bread and butter? Well, you know, we we have a uh, 1-3-1 that I had put in, uh, you know, several years ago, and um, I can, I'll never forget, we went over and scrimmaged Jamestown, and you know, Ben had a had a really good team, and we were playing man, and they were kind of beating us. And uh, I said, you know, let's go to our one three one. And he ended up calling me the next day. He said, what, you know, what do you do, you know, with that one three one? He goes, you just had us on our heels, and you know, like, um, I don't like the. I I, I got to admit, I I had played the one three one when we won the state championship. Uh, I played a little different, but. With with a one three one, I I like to be really aggressive out of that. Um, yeah. And I I always found, believe it or not, I like to put uh, a taller, uh, pretty aggressive guy on the top. Um, yeah. Think about it. You know, if, if I had Jesse Turner up there when when he played for me, six two, he went on to play football at Western Michigan, but you know, six two aggressive. You know, so he gets on that guy as he's bringing it over half court, and man, he's just putting a lot of pressure on. You know, and uh, then you get you, you know, I, I don't like my wings to sit back on that. I like them to come up, and I like them to, you know, once they come over half court, if that guy is guiding you to the left or right, that wing player has got to come up hard, you know, and he's got to come up and be re- be active with his hands and be ready to trap, you know, and so. I like a I like a pretty um, uh, I, I like a taller, aggressive, uh, you know, pretty active guy on the top. I think that's a big key with a one three one. Um, but we 
we I did go to that over the years, and and I would throw that in at times. You know, um, and it, it's funny because you have different philosophies. Sometimes out of timeouts, I would do that. You know, I, I would I would go one three one, and I w- I would always tell my kids, all right, if we get a steal, you know, in a score, we're back in the one three one. You know, I I would right. I would use that, or I'd say we're going to go for a little stretch, but. I said, just follow, follow my lead. You know, if we get a steal and a score, get back into it. If we get a steal, you know, if we get a stop, and if we just get a stop, you know, we go back into it. And I said, then once they score, we'll just go back to man. So, you know, be aware of who you're guarding and be ready to get back into it. But uh, we did that. We also played, um, and a lot of coaches, I, I do believe they don't know this, but we played what is called the amoeba defense and uh, Jerry Tarkanian was famous for that. And it gives you, uh, it has uh, a lot of one, three, one similarities to it. And uh, we played that pretty consistently over the years. And, um, um, but you got to have something sometimes, you know, like it's just the man, you like to say it's always going to be successful, but sometimes teams get comfortable too, you know, and uh, you just want to shake them up a little bit. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 